What's going on, guys? Been a while. I didn't post last week. I apologize for that. And I meant to do, do this sooner, but life's been crazy. But I've got some cool stuff. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was a Twitter post that I made that I shared, retweeted, whatever. And I'm going to read it off to you because I thought it was interesting. So what I shared was a meme that says, why is the pressure to be the bigger person always placed on the person who is wronged? And my response was because, well, initially my response was because you can't control people's actions, only your responses to those actions. And that's something that I've said a lot. And when I was typing this out, it just kind of hit me. Well, that's not entirely true, actually. So I've, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been somewhat wrong for the last few years. You can also control the frame that you set before they take those actions. You can control you can control the the perception that you create of yourself in their mind. So, for example, if you're in a relationship and you're not getting the treatment that you think you deserve, you know the other person's kind of talking to other people or they're not treating you right. Well, you can say, "I'm going to handle this with grace. Um, I'm going to handle this a certain way." You know, I'm going to be the bigger person here, but you've got to understand too, what is the framework that you're laying for that person to act within? If you're at work and somebody is consistently disrespectful to you, it might be easy to say, well, that's just their reaction or that's, that's their, their choice. That's, that's whatever I'm going to, I'm going to choose to respond to that in a positive way and more power to you. That's, that's probably the best option you have, but you also have to understand what is it that you're doing that makes them feel comfortable treating you that way? Because I promise you there's, there's people out there that they would treat differently. There's people that would behave in such a way as to invite a totally different response. And so your job is to figure out how do I set this framework? How do I present myself the way that I want to be perceived? And a lot of this comes down to maturity, <laughs> just, just understanding that, the things you do actually matter. And a lot of the discussions, the debates that I get involved in with people are around things like, you know, they, they've got these issues where it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't think people should do that. I don't think it should be this way. I think people should, should behave um, according to, to my moral compass or whatever. And I, I point out, you know, the reality though, is that they're not doing that. So why? Well, because they're a bad person. Well, maybe partially, but there's more to it than that. And if you just put all of your eggs in that basket of, well, they're a bad person, then you don't have any, you don't have any real control. You can only be reactive and you want to be proactive. You want to understand that there's things you can do that are going to proact proactively create an impact in the, in the perception that other people have of you. And that comes down to observation a lot of times because you'll hear things from culture. You'll, you'll hear things from TV shows, from music, from movies, from books, from whatever else, from your friends. And they'll say, Oh, well, you know, they should do this, that, or the other people should be this way or live your life how you want to. And they ignore the fact that every time they do that, it doesn't work the way that they think it should. Is that intelligent? No, it's not. It's not, it's not a wise, um, conclusion to come to that. Well, this makes sense. Therefore it is your reasoning could be flawed. And so, I, and this goes back into something else I do talk about a lot, which is you've got to learn to pay very close attention to everything. You have to learn to observe other people on a very, very 
deep level. Because if you don't pay close attention to other people, then it seems like the stuff that they do is just random. Or it seems like it's just coming from their insecurities, it's coming from their um, bad behaviors, I don't know. It, it's coming from, from a, a place that you can't do anything with. Whereas if you're really tuned into them and you're really observing them, you're going to start to notice little things like, you know, they reacted a certain way when I said this. And I don't think that that should have offended them, but maybe it did. I don't think that that should have struck a nerve. I do this all the time. I offend people all the time. And sometimes, sometimes I try to stop and sometimes I don't. Um, I'm definitely not perfect in this, but I, I, I have gotten to a point where if I, how do I say this? When I have a goal in mind, like I, I want to foster a good relationship with somebody, I'm, I pay very close attention and I'm hyper aware of all the little things that are happening. Now that didn't happen overnight. It happened because I paid very close attention for a long time and I started to notice patterns. I started to notice that, well, when people act like this, they usually also act like that, like, like that. And one thing leads to another, or there's something when they have this particular insecurity, there's probably this reasoning for it, right? When they do these things, I feel like it's obnoxious. I feel like they're they're being kind of juvenile or whatever, then you understand, well, well, that's coming from somewhere. Maybe it's coming from the fact that they just want to be cool. They just want to be accepted. They want to be liked. They want to be funny, right? And it's like, well, you know, you're, you're making jokes that aren't funny and you're not picking up on the fact that I'm not laughing and it's really obnoxious. And if you just take that at face value, you feel super awkward because you're around people and they're doing things that make you uncomfortable and you just react to that. Say, well, I can react in you know a positive way, whatever. But when you start to set the stage and understand that how you how, how you present yourself from the very beginning matters. So I'll leave it at that. I think I've said enough on it. So let's move on to the next point. I pulled a couple articles off of Reddit. Excuse me. Should have brought some water in here. So this is a post from SciPost. I don't know if that's a real thing or if it's pseudoscience. Most of most 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 like popular, really any popular psychology magazine or article, I just I I don't see value in it. It's very cliche. It's very like feel good stuff or very obvious stuff, and it's like just kind of watered down and it's not super useful, in my opinion. Um, but there's some interesting things in here. I don't remember actually why I, why I took these notes, but we're gonna we're gonna find out together. So new study uncovers attitudes towards COVID vaccination status in ro romantic relationships. Those who were already vaccinated were more likely to want their dating partners to be vaccinated as well. On the other hand, individuals who were not vaccinated were more open to dating partners who hadn't been vaccinated. So there's definitely a little bit of bias just in that. Um, just, just in the wording there, it's kind of subtle. But this person obviously does not approve of people who are who are not vaccinated. Individuals who were not vaccinated were more open. You know, here's the thing with that though, and people try to pretend that it's not this, but the reality is that it's a very political thing, right? Like nobody is. It, it, it's a political thing. It, it just it just is. So if you if you try to pretend that it's it has anything to do with health, I'm not saying it doesn't have anything to do with health. I'm saying that the perception of this vaccination is 100% a political thing because people who watch news outlets on the left take it very seriously. People that 
take uh, watch news outlets on the right, do not. And there's probably some middle ground truth there. I don't know what it is. I really don't care enough to find out. I err on the side that most people that I know who took it had health problems afterwards, so I'm not taking it. Um, but yeah, I think that this is this is just an example of like why I don't I, I I try to stay in touch or in tune with like recent articles and discoveries and whatever. I really can't read these kind of magazines, though. This is why it's because I I don't understand how people take this in and think, well, I'm getting psychological information. Of course, of course, people prefer a partner who aligns with their values because that's all political stuff is. It's it's a matter of values. It's never a matter of logic. It's never a matter of this makes more sense, therefore I'm going to do it. It always comes down to how that thing makes you feel. And and that that comes from your deeply held beliefs. That comes from the the values that have been instilled in you from a very long time. And they're 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 invisible. That's the thing. Like they're they're very invisible. And a lot of this also comes from unconscious forces, right? Like we're not aware of how the environment affects us a lot of times. That's, that's again, why it's so important to pay attention because you start with paying attention to other people, then you start to pay attention to yourself because you start to see other people that are around, maybe they, maybe you know somebody and they start hanging out around a new friend group. And then you kind of notice a subtle shift in their language. You start to notice that they, they talk about certain things a bit differently and maybe their tone changes. Maybe they start to, um, they start they start to to adopt like the the colloquialisms and the 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 takes and the little quirks that their new group has by the way if you worry that somebody's cheating on you that's a pretty good way to figure it out is if they suddenly start adopting like some new mannerisms that they never had before um that doesn't mean that they are cheating on you but that is that is one of the things that um, tends to come up because they're spending a lot of time with somebody that they like. So they're engaged in that conversation and you absorb things unconsciously. Now, again, this comes down to, it, it has to do with self-awareness and there's kind of this weird, um, what's the word paradox? I don't think it's paradox. There's a, there's a, there's an interesting relationship between self-reflection and external reflection. I was always taught growing up that there is what you need to do is you need to go inward first. You need to understand yourself first. And if you understand yourself, then you can understand other people. I don't think that that's wrong, but I don't think it's 100% correct either. I think that a lot of the, the, the mistake that people fall into with that is they think that because, because I feel a certain way, because my anger towards, I'll use a personal example, because my anger towards this person comes from my insecurity and my fear, that means that this other person's anger comes from that same insecurity and fear. Now, it may be very useful to, to have that epiphany and realize how much of anger does come from fear, but that doesn't mean that it's always coming from fear. And so when you just as, as, ascribe that particular response and emotion to something that you struggle with that is projecting and i think that that's become a stupid buzzword lately people just whenever they they disagree with your side they say oh you're just projecting oh you hate that person so much you you disagree with that ideology so much you're projecting you're hiding it from it shut up that's ridiculous it's a very weak argument it gets on my nerves um but yeah so what part of the the, the benefit of that self-reflection is that it clears away some of the illusion that is uh, distorting your your viewpoint. So, for example, if I 
if I'm trying to decide if I like somebody as a person, like, are they a trustworthy person, right? Like, am I going to, is it, like, it's a coworker, it's a potential friend, is somebody new to the group, whatever. If I'm trying to decide, do I like this person? Are they trustworthy? Are we going to do business with them? And I feel a certain way about them. And I'm like, mm, I don't like it. I got this intuition. I love that word. Intuition. It doesn't feel right. I don't know. I don't think I can trust them. And then it turns out that's because, well, you're kind of jealous of this person. Maybe not always. And again, I'm using a personal example here just to, to illustrate. I'm not saying it's always this, this way. But as, as something that does happen pretty often, people will not like others that they are intimidated by. I had a friend that I worked at the car dealership with, and he would always complain whenever some like one of like somebody that was like a bodybuilder came in. Somebody's like a lot taller than him, a lot more muscular, kind of had like a little bit of a swag, you know, like the confidence, because this guy did not have any of that at all. He'd be like, Oh, that guy's such a douchebag. Like, what did he say? Say nothing. It's just his attitude. Like, he seemed fine to me. <laughs> and he'd get all bent out of shape about these people. And I'm like, are you sure you're not just intimidated by this person? And then karma kicked me in the butt because a few months later somebody started working there that I'll just be honest, he's a lot more attractive than I am. He's much more muscular than I am. He's a lot better looking than I am. He's not as tall as I am. He's not as smart as I am. But he had some some things that I didn't. I didn't like him at first. I said it. Everybody's like, oh, I just like him. He's a cool guy. I'm like, no, I can't stand him. And I actually had a conversation with him. And I realized, you know what? Self-reflection here, I just feel a little insecure, right? Again, not saying that's always the case. But as you start to reflect and you start to be honest with yourself and you start to notice your tendencies and your patterns and your, it's hard to see your blind spots, but you can see the effects of your blind spots if you pay attention and you can kind of figure out, uh, oh, I keep doing the same thing. Why? Where is that coming from? And you kind of track it back. As you start to do that, it clears away your preconceived notions and it gives room for you to actually observe people, for you to really get in tune with them. So that's very important. The external side of that, though, once you start to really learn to pay close attention to other things, that's how you learn about life. You have to be good at doing that because you don't learn any other way. You can read. You can talk to people. Yes, you should do that. You should listen to podcasts like mine, people that try to educate you. But like nobody's always right. And you've got to understand, too, even if it's a national bestseller book, that person can be completely misguided. And there's plenty of examples of that, of where somebody was intelligent or they're a good writer, but they're stupid, right? Or they're foolish, rather. Maybe they're not dumb, but they're, they're not wise, right? They may have book smarts, but they don't have street smarts. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and so I think that there's, there's that paradox because... Sometimes the self-reflection will lead to you understanding other people on a deeper level, but sometimes you can't look at yourself because you have layers of shame and guilt and you have these built-in biases, biases, I still can't figure that word out. You still have those biases built in. You still have those blind spots built in. You have psychological noise that, that obscures your own self-perception. And so you may think, for example, well, I'm doing... I'm, I'm dating this person because they're a good person, right? And all your friends are like, no, you're lonely and you're settling. You're like, no, you guys are crazy. You don't understand her like I do. And then six months later, you break up and you realize, oh, actually, I was like, why did I put up with all that? Like, I didn't even like her that much, right? Or 
I'm pursuing this career because it's meaningful, because it'll let me help other people. No, you want the, the money, you want the security, you want it because you're afraid to pick this other thing that you really want to do. And it's difficult to look at, at yourself objectively. It's really hard sometimes. And so that, I think that that's where the, that, that there is a good paradox there, because when you start to see those patterns in other people, it's easier to see that because you're not biased when you're looking at it. You're like, oh, that person keeps messing. Why do they keep dating that person? That was so dumb. She's a walking bundle of red flags. Or why did he pick that career? That was that was silly. Why does she do X, Y, Z? Why does she react in that way? She should know by now that like it's easy to see that in other people. And maybe once you start to pay attention and you start to understand why did they do that? And you start to try to analyze, you're going to be wrong. So you need to adopt the mindset that you are learning. You're trying to analyze, you're trying to figure things out, but you're not falling in love with your theories. That's super important because what happens when you decide, I'm going to start looking at the world through a new lens. I'm going to start paying attention. You start looking at things. You start thinking about them differently. And then you go, oh, I figured it out. You know who does that? Teenagers. Teenagers do that. Kids. Because they start to question, well, my parents believe this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to question it. You know what? This, this other thing makes sense. The opposite makes sense. I'm going to do that. I'm enlightened. <laughs> I'm mature. I'm an adult. I made my own decisions. No, you, you reacted against your parents. You didn't make your own decision, right? And so don't fall into that. Be very careful to understand that you don't have the answers, but have the mindset that you are seeking them. You'll get really far with that very quickly too. It may not, it may not seem like it at first, but when you look back over six months to a year, you'll be impressed with how far you come if you make this a habit. Okay. Moving on to the next one. Positivepsychology.com. Already like it. Complete acceptance and love, whether for yourself or for someone else. When you have unconditional positive regard for someone, nothing they can do can give you a reason to stop seeing them as inherently human and inherently lovable. Excuse me. Okay. So what they're talking about here is unconditional positive regard. And that's basically the mindset that you, no matter what happens, you're going to treat the actions of other people in a positive light. You're going to see that as having positive intentions. So this is, um, this is a, a concept in NLP, which is basically that nobody ever makes the worst decision possible. People do, people make the best decision that they can with the information that they have. Right. And so, Sometimes people make really stupid decisions, but it's better, it's more useful, and it's usually more accurate to say, okay, that person made a dumb decision, but maybe they didn't have all the information that they should. And you can sit there and go, well, they should have it. Okay, but that doesn't mean that they do, right? Um, I had a conversation with somebody today, actually, and I, I, I'll be honest, I could, I'm probably wrong about the actual conversation that we had, but the, the concept that I was bringing up was, was not incorrect. And I was basically saying that th this person was saying that someone in their life was not treating them the way that they wanted to, to be treated and that this had been communicated. And I had to bring up, just because I've seen this happen so many times, well, are you sure that you're communicating correctly, right? Um, that gets on my nerves sometimes because why does the burden of communication always fall on the person that's trying harder? That doesn't really make a lot of sense. So again, like I'm totally willing to say that I was probably wrong about that. Not, not to that person, obviously I'll say it to you guys, but it'll be our secret. Nobody, nobody, nobody let this work it out. Um, I can't ruin my image here, but no, there, 
it, in all seriousness, there's there's a lot of value in just assuming that people did their best. So maybe they yelled at you and they freaked out. And that's not a good reaction, right? Like that doesn't mean that you make excuses for people and say, well, they are a good person deep down. I know they keep locking me in the bathroom and taking my phone away whenever I, you know, text anybody but them. But like that, they're a good person deep down. Like I'm not saying that. Obviously, there's a point where, you know, you need to you need to set boundaries, you need to protect yourself, you need to 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 set that frame that we talked about earlier. But if someone can snip you with you at work, right? Like you don't know what they're dealing with. And it sounds cliche to say that, but you know, imagine that they have made bad life decisions for the last 30 years and it has kind of pigeonholed them in this this habit, this pattern that they're stuck in. And they don't want to be angry all the time, but they don't know how to get out of it. And that's just that it's just an instinct at that point. It's just reflexive. Are they intentionally trying to treat you badly? Probably not. Doesn't mean that it's okay for them to snap at you. Doesn't mean that you don't have the right and the authority to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna communicate a bit differently here. Um, that ain't gonna fly. But it, there, there is like the way that you approach it though. If you respond to that emotionally, you just get mad and yell at them back again. It's probably not the most productive response. And again, it's like, well, why do they deserve it? Well, maybe they don't. But what is most useful in general, it's most useful to assume that people are doing the best that they can, because one, that's going to alleviate a lot of your stress. I genuinely walk around just knowing that most people are pretty stupid. And that makes it so much easier because when they do stupid things, I'm not surprised. And I don't look at them as like, oh, you suck. I'm just like, yeah, okay, kind of expected that. It doesn't mean that I condescend people. I do sometimes. I could probably work on that. But in general, you know, half the people that you meet, period, half the people that you meet are going to be below average intelligence, right? You already know that half of the people in your life are not going to be above 100 IQ score or whatever the average is. I don't know. I think it's 110, something like that. Actually, no, 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 it's 100. Is that right? Oh, geez, I didn't even know that. Hold on. We're looking it up right now. That's something that I should definitely know, considering that I do this. What is... I feel dumb now. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself... What is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Google says 100. Okay. No, well, this says between 85 and 115. So 100. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, it's somewhere in that ballpark. The point being, unconditional positive regard. Fancy way of saying, just assume that people are not trying to be bad people. They are trying to do, they're doing the best that they can. And so the, the lack of options idea comes into that, right? So I may, um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of an example that doesn't involve dating. So but we'll do it. Okay. So imagine that I don't know how to communicate with somebody. So I tell them, just 
in plain language, no, don't do that. And I leave it at that, right? It's not wrong for me to say that. However, I've got to understand that this person probably may not have, uh, have interpreted that correctly. Anybody that says men and women don't communicate the same way is an idiot. Men and women 100% communicate differently. If a woman comes up to me and says, don't do that. If I care about her opinion, I'm like, okay. If I'm stuck in my emotional spiral and I'm not paying attention to her, that might be a little bit different. It doesn't mean that I don't care about her, but I'm obviously in a place of being, I feel a little bit self-centered, right? However, turn the back around. I say, don't do that. She responds, this girlfriend, she responds, well, that was super rude. And I'm using this because like, this is, this happens to me all the time. I'm very blunt. I'm very direct. I'm just, I, it just, I used to be super like, oh, let's talk it out. Let's go around in circles and blah, 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 blah. I just get tired of it one day. I'm like, that's stupid. Don't do it. I shouldn't have to explain this. And maybe that's just because I'm getting old and I'm <laughs> cranky. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but whatever it is, if she gets upset with me, she may have the right to do that, but is that an effective way? Because if I say, don't do that, and she gets mad at me, how am I going to perceive that? I'm going to perceive it as, oh, like you don't respect my boundaries. Okay. And so there's this breakdown here where neither one of us is really wrong per se, but we're not, we're not in sync, right? We're not communicating as effectively as we could be. Whereas if she were to say, you know what, he's probably kind of dumb when it comes to this. He's not good at relationships. Let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and try to figure out where this is coming from. Try to figure out what he really meant by that. Let's try to, you know, and she approaches it with the understanding like, I love you. We're going to figure this out. I don't really like that though. Like let's, let's work on it. I'm going to be much more responsive to that versus, you know, her firing back at me because I'm very confrontational. I'll fire right back again. We'll start having an argument or I'll just leave because I get stressed out. Um, <laughs> either way. All right. Last one. We're going to wrap it up. because It's late. It's over. This one's about emotional regulation. I like emotional regulation. This one is from Simply Psychology, which I think this was actually my favorite one out of everything that I found. So Simply Psychology says that emotional regulation is not to be confused with eliminating or controlling emotions, but with moderating the experience of the emotions being experienced. All right, it's a little bit redundant, but um, okay. So this is kind of my big issue with Stoicism, um, not that I have an issue with Stoicism, but the, the interpretation of it. I talk about emotional control and emotional regulation a lot. And one of the things that people always get come after me with is something to the effect of you don't want to suppress your emotions, which is crazy to me because I, I'm such a big advocate of not repressing your emotions. I think that you should, I think that there's a time and a place to do it, right? Personally, like I'll, I'll choose that time and place when I'm alone and I'm not around people. But if you don't have, it, it's not about suppressing things and bottling it up. Because if you do that, what happens is you become numb and despondent. You start to get into this, because um, if you bottle the good stuff up, you bottle the bad, or the, the bad stuff up, then you also bottle everything else up too. So you can't just suppress one emotion, you suppress them all. You kind of tamper down your emotional stuff. And you, you don't get as depressed, but you don't get as happy either. And unfortunately, there's a downward pull to that because once you feel numb, there's a certain amount of negativity involved in that, right? 
So it's not ideal. I'm not an advocate for suppression. I am an advocate for control. Okay. You don't have to express your emotions. I don't know who came up with that garbage. You don't need to express your emotions. That's just not true. It's just not. It's a lie. It's a straight up lie. I'm angry. I need to express this. I need to let it out. I have to let it out. No, you don't. You need to acknowledge it. You need to deal with it. You need to process it, but you don't have to, you don't have to let it out. You don't have to yell to express that emotion. If I'm, um, I think, I think anger is a really easy one. Um, I think lust is another easy one, right? I have to express my sexuality. No, you don't. You don't. When you, when you feed this stuff, it grows. If I get angry and I say, I'm going to express my anger, I'm going to throw fuel on fire. I'm going to yell. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to simmer, I'm going to stew. I'm going to turn the heat up a little bit. I'm going to throw some, some kindling on that bad boy, get it lit up, some gasoline, start toasting me some marshmallows, kick it over a little bit, let it spread out into the woods, burn the whole forest down. That's not good. Why would you want to do that? Why do you think that you, if you can't control a little bit of rage, why do you think that you can control it once you let it out? It's going to magnify itself. It's going to build on itself. It's a demon. It takes over you. It, it, you don't have control when your emotions are, are rampant. You don't. Like you shift out of it's like, oh, why did I do that? I'm so sorry. That wasn't me. It kind of wasn't you in a sense. It really isn't because something takes you over. It's something very primal, something that's that's very deep and it's below the level of your higher reasoning. But when it takes over, it's just, oh, it's all out. It's, it's like a survival instinct almost. It's unconscious, except you're aware of it somewhat. So you've got to be careful with that stuff. You don't have to express your emotions. That being said, you don't want to suppress them either. So emotional regulation is just learning to manage these things, to keep them from getting too out of control, but understanding that they don't have to have power over you. That's the weird thing that like this culture and the woke movement and everything is kind of brought up as like the new agey crap, this idea that you're, you are your emotions somehow. If you feel a certain way, then that's it. And then so when people get depressed and they have, they're, they're sad about something or they're anxious about something, maybe it's a valid thing. Then they think that, well, I am depressed. I am anxious. This is my personality. This is who I am. I'm attracted to this person. That way I'm just very sexual. It's like, well, do you want, you don't have to allow these things to have control over your life. That doesn't make any sense. You're not, not any better than a child at that point because, because kids can't control their emotions. You make a kid mad, that kid gets really mad. They go crazy. When I was a kid, I used to, I used to have these, the, the worst temper tantrums. I don't remember them. My mom won't let me forget that I had them though. She tells me all the time. Apparently I would stand in my room, take all the toys out of my toy box and just throw them at the door and barricade myself in and make sure nobody could get in and just scream. Sometimes I still feel like doing that. Um, sometimes I do do that. I won't lie a little bit. I'll lock the doors and just like vent. Um, very rarely though. And only on camera for attention. Anyway, the point being, so how do you regulate emotions? Well, that's something that we talk about a lot in other episodes. I'm not going to get super deep into it here just for the sake of time and the fact that it's in a lot of places, but a couple of things just to kind of point you in the right direction. If you're new, if you need a refresher, one is just that understanding that you don't have to respond to things, right? You can get mad at somebody and that's okay. You can be stressed. You can be overwhelmed. That's okay. 
when you learn to sit and just look at the feeling to just turn your attention towards how do I feel right now? And just realize like, yeah, I feel crazy. I feel overwhelmed. I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel scared. I feel desire. I feel fear. I feel an upwards pull. I feel downwards, but whatever it is, it's a mixture of things. I don't even know what I feel. I'm just overwhelmed, scattered, feel like a psycho, you know, whatever it is, you turn your attention to that and just accept like, okay, that's how I feel. But when I say that's how I feel, what do I mean by that? Who is the I? Who is the attention that's that's looking at this? You're not the emotion that's going to pass soon. You take a nap and it's gone. You walk outside, it's probably gone. You give it a minute. Once you start to realize that these things are just unconscious currents that are running in your psyche, and you realize that it's not actually you, it's a part of you, and it's something to not be denied, but you don't have to give it energy, you don't have to give it power, and you just recognize it for what it is, it's, a, it's an impulse. You have anger for a reason. You have anger to motivate you to move. You have fear to motivate you to not move <laughs> or to move in the opposite direction, right? You have selfishness to protect yourself because if you don't have any selfishness, right? Like obviously it's a very toxic thing, but at a super low level, it's kind of good. Like you need to be a little bit selfish to take care of yourself to some extent. Again, like don't, don't, don't bury me on that one. Obviously, you know what I mean? Um, greed, same thing. You know, how does, like, do you need greed? Do you need the desire for more? Not just money, but just stuff in general. A little bit. Otherwise, you wouldn't have anything. Shame. People get so bent out of shape about shame these days. Oh, you're shaming me. Maybe you should be shamed. Why do you feel ashamed for something that you're doing? Do you know that it's wrong? Why do you feel shame if it's not wrong? If it's wrong, should I be validating that? Should I be approving of that? No, you're an idiot. You do coke and you come to me and say that, well, you need to stop shaming me for being a cokehead. I'm saying, no, you're a cokehead. I don't care what you think. You're a drug addict. And I can say that because I used to be a drug addict. Used to be, totally. Um, yeah, it's like shame is one of those weird ones. Greed is another one that people don't really talk about, but we all kind of struggle with it a little bit. But we hide that one really well. I don't know a whole lot of people that really, 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 like that's their thing where greed is the thing that just takes them over. But I have met a few. It's a really ugly thing, but so is so is all the other stuff. So is lust, so is anger, so is fear, so is um even loneliness. Loneliness loneliness is one of those things that really kills people. It gets it gets to you in a very deep, profound way. But again, where does that come from? Because you can feel alone, surrounded by people. You can also feel fairly fulfilled with a couple of friends. And that doesn't have, I don't think that that has anything to do with your disposition, maybe a little bit, right? Some people like more isolation, some people like less, whatever, but it has to do with how you relate to people and how you talk to yourself. And when you just allow the, the feelings that come up to dictate, well, this is who I am. This is how I am. I feel this, therefore that it's, it's truth. You get stuck in a very chaotic state, right? You get stuck in a place where you're never stable because emotions are not stable. They're very transient things. They're very unpredictable. And they're, they're a little bit random. Like they have a meaning, they have a reason for it, but you will have an emotional response to something that you don't even know that you're thinking sometimes. So they don't make good guides. They're not a good source of direction for you. Sometimes they are, usually not so much. So to learn to regulate them, to learn one, just to, to notice them for what they are, to have the mindset that I'm, you know what, I can feel this, but I'm going to work on just not reacting to it. And I'm going to work on not letting my brain get carried away 
in the stuff, right? I'm upset, right? I'm depressed right now. I feel, I, I feel lonely. I feel like I'm not where I should be in life. I'm starting to get a little bit older. I'm seeing my body change. I'm seeing my friends get married and I'm not, whatever. Totally not, you know, anything I'm going through at all. But I'm just like, you know, I'm a little bit depressed and I see things happening. I see things changing and I don't quite like it. Okay, that's okay. It's okay to feel like that. And it's good to allow that that feeling to actually direct your attention towards that. Why do I feel that? Because you can start to pinpoint things that that are actually important to you. Is it important to me? Like, do I do I get upset that I'm getting older? Do I get upset that I don't have as many friends as I would like, or I don't have the relationship that I would like, or I'm not where I would like to be in my career? Maybe those things are more important than I've been telling myself. Maybe I've been saying, yeah, it's fine. Just take your time. Just live your life. Just, you know, drift around, whatever. Maybe I've been saying that. Maybe that's not actually how I feel about it. Maybe that's a coping mechanism, right? And you can go on and on with that. I think you see where I'm going with it. You can use it to point yourself in the right direction, but you don't have to get sucked into it. You can acknowledge that I feel kind of depressed. What do I choose to do with that? How do I choose to respond to that? Do I choose to say, okay, cool. I'm going to think something positive. What is what is the most positive thing I could do right now? Because if I lay in bed, letting my thoughts spiral out of control, I'm not going anywhere except into a deeper depression, right? If you try to just think your way out of these this the mental plane, you're stuck there. Because guess what? You're still operating in that same, that's on that same level. You gotta get your body involved. You gotta start moving. What is something positive I can do right now? Can I clean my room? If you guys are watching the video of this, you see it's a little bit messy, right? Like I got some, I got some supplements laying around. I got a couple of cigars laying around. Probably um, I did my dishes today. I'm super proud of myself. Yay. Um, yeah, but like I could go work out, I could get up, I could move around a little bit. I've been struggling with like being super tired at work. It's like, I need to go and do something. I need a nap. I can't do this right now, whatever. And then I kind of started to think, well, I sit down all day in an office with no like real light. What if I just walk around for like five minutes? Started doing that, like suddenly I'm not as tired anymore. <laughs> you know, like I get my body involved and it's suddenly things start to change. Um, when I was actually really struggling with depression, physical things were, were a huge deal. Right. Like if I started to feel that downward pull, like, oh no, I'm going a bad place right now. I would get up and make myself move. I would jump on the bed. It's stupid, right? It's goofy, but like life is great. I'd say it. I'd act like it was true. And it didn't really resonate at first, but it definitely got me out of my head. And people say, Well, that's a little ridiculous. Like you're gonna go teach people, like, well, if they get upset, just go jump on your bed. No, but I'm saying that if you're really committed to not letting your brain master you, you'll do stuff like that. You'll find something where you can make it a point to go outside and like smile. Look at this, like don't stare like actually at the sun, but like <laughs> let the, the sun get your face a little bit, stretch out a little bit, smile, say a few positive words to yourself, to your coworkers, get out of your own head, go, go try to cheer other people up, whatever. It's good, it's positive. Um, and it helps you, it helps keep those, those emotional peaks and dips and everything kind of, uh, regulated. So I think, I think we're going to wrap it up there. I had some more stuff to talk about, but we'll, we'll get into it here pretty soon. If you guys enjoy this, make sure that you like, and subscribe, share with your friends hit the little five-star review. If, um, you're listening to me on Spotify or Apple podcasts, whatever, remember I do have a YouTube channel as well. I'm trying to get rumble started up. 
Um, I read that Twitter post, so obviously I am on Twitter. I've got like I've got like a few followers on Twitter, like 15 people over there. And I like that format though, because it lets me just take the thoughts in my head and immediately put them into the internet. And that's kind of scary, but it's also invigorating. So yeah, best of luck to you guys. I'll see you soon.